Hey guys, this episode requires me to place a trigger warning in front of it. There will be a brief section that we do discuss suicide. So if the discussion of suicide could be a possible trigger for you, please listen accordingly and perhaps join us next time. In the end, I have to stay true to what this show is all about. And this show is about being authentic. It doesn't matter if it's depressing or heavy or extremely intimate. What matters is that it's real. Because when we are real is when we can be in truth. And being in truth is what opens the door to healing. Welcome to The Onion Peel, a show where we get real, raw, and honest about life. It's a space where authenticity lives and hope resides. The Onion Peel is a place where we peel back the layers of our stories and discover the unexpected flavoring that each one brings. Hey guys, I'm your host and semi-crazy Christian, Angela McConnell. I'm a middle-aged mom of five with a dead husband, and I've been through some shit in my life. Now, I'm on a mission, a mission to bring hope to the world. So join me as we journey through this onion and find hope in the tears. You ready to peel this thing? Hey guys! Welcome to The Onion Peel. Hope y'all are doing okay. I know it's getting very old sitting at home, but it is important that we take care of ourselves so we can take care of each other and get through this thing so we can just move on. Hopefully, we'll be stronger and we've learned a thing or two going forward and we can get back to living life again. So today I'm going to talk about New Year's Eve. And New Year's Eve for me has always been one of those holidays that sometimes I look forward to it, sometimes I don't. Just depends on the mood of the year. Of course, I have fond memories of being younger as a kid and watching Dick Clark. But as I got older, New Year's Eve would always come along and I'd have such hope and expectations surrounding it. Sometimes that was rewarded and it concluded in something grand. And then other times I just felt completely let down. So this particular New Year's Eve obviously was going to be a difficult one. You have this night that is the epitome of what hope represents. It's the granddaddy of good things to come. And you would think that I would want to sit in that, wouldn't you? But I didn't. I didn't want to sit in it at all because I was convinced that there was absolutely nothing good that was going to come out of the next year because Don was dead and I had to face the rest of my life without him. And I was leaving the last year that he was alive. 
and entering in to a year that he wasn't going to exist in. The funny thing is, is that Don loved even numbers and did not like odd numbers. I don't know why that was one of his things, but it just was. I think it has something to do with the fact that he loved numbers because he had a very mathematical mind. So anytime that he would hit a birthday year that was an even number, he always looked forward to it a little bit more. And it just so happened that that would always coincide with whatever new calendar year that we were going into. He was born on an even year. Therefore, in even years, he turned even numbers. So 2014 to him would have been a spectacular year because he would have been turning 58 right at the beginning of the year. His birth date was January 28th. So that man would have been completely surrounded in evenness and would have absolutely been in his glory. And I know that on that New Year's Eve night, if he would have been alive in 2013, he would have made sure to tell me, it's going to be a good year, honey. It's an even year. It's going to be a good year. And so, of course, all that was going through my head as I'm sitting in this New Year's Eve. I couldn't help but think, gosh, if he could have only made it to 2014, maybe he wouldn't have killed himself. Maybe he would have found hope in the fact that it was an even year. Was it a coincidence that he killed himself when it was an odd birthday year and an odd calendar year? I don't know. It's just where your mind runs to. As silly as it may sound or not sound, you can't help it. Those are just some of the tapes that you play in your head. So there I sat, New Year's Eve. I turned the TV on to watch the ball drop, which was stupid. I don't know why I did that, because I literally made it until 20 minutes before midnight. And I go and do a dumb thing to turn on and watch a celebration of what appeared to be the entire universe of the human existence and see everyone laughing, smiling, blowing their horns. Oh my gosh. It was like somebody just stabbed me with a knife. I just looked at the TV and I was like, what in the hell are you people so excited about? Don't you know that Don's gone? Don't you know that my kids don't have a dad? Don't you know that my heart is smashed into so many pieces it'll never be repaired? How could you possibly believe that there's anything good about the new year coming? Oh my gosh, I was so jealous. I was so green with envy. I just wanted my life to be like it had been six months before, when I was happy in my perfect little life. But no, that wasn't my reality. So, after I watched that ball drop and stood in the place of 2014... I just crumbled. I went into my room, and I just kind of sat in my pit of despair. So I decided that instead of me telling you what those next 
many moments were that I experienced, I'd just let you hear them firsthand. I'm going to play for you part of my voice memo that I recorded that night. It is a little rambly and disjointed, but that's kind of how we usually are when we are in a tremendous amount of angst and pain. I debated whether I should share this, because it's about as raw as you can get. It may not be easy to listen to. It's extremely personal. It's not very uplifting. And it's not easy for me to share. But in the end, I have to stay true to what this show is all about. And this show is about being authentic. It doesn't matter if it's depressing or heavy or extremely intimate. What matters is that it's real. Because when we are real is when we can be in truth. And being in truth is what opens the door to healing. I'm just going to throw out the trigger warning one more time. I know I did it at the beginning of the episode, but I just want to say, if talking about suicide can possibly be a trigger for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off and join us next time. Here is the recording of my first New Year's Eve night without Don. January 1st, 12.21 a.m. 2014. Very hard to be uh, in a moment that epitomizes hope. When you have none. Here it is New Year's Eve and well, New Year's Day now. And I just, um, I want to die. I just, I just don't have the hope. It's gone. Because I miss Don. And I just don't want to live without him. And to know that you have no choice. There's no possibility. There's no miracle in any. You can't. It's, it's just despair. And it sets on you. And I don't really feel that good about myself right now. I don't really like myself. I think about that even if I had a dream <laughs> there's no way that it would happen anytime soon. And so I know that the road is still so long ahead. And that's just so heavy. It's just so heavy. There's fireworks going off for the last half hour, and I just um, think about last New Year's Eve, and 
I wish I would have made more of an effort to have a more sincere kiss with my husband. I just really don't have a desire to live. But I know I can't do anything because of my kids. Because in order for me to be free from my pain, my kids are going to have to suffer. And I, I can't have them suffer anymore. I've suffered enough. So I have to endure. I told God that I would, I would endure until the kids have their own lives. Seven-ish years. And then all bets are off. I can't promise that I'll stay around. I know that seems stupid because that's so many years away, but I won't forget. I don't forget. I know the details of the things I say. Which is hard to live with sometimes. And I say to God, It's just too hard down here for us. It's just too hard. It's just too hard. So I think... I don't have any choices. I think, well, I have to stop the decay enough so I can finish raising the kids without damaging them further. Yeah. If I didn't have the kids, I'd go down to the garage. I think I'd take a ton of sleeping pills first, and I'd I'd take those, and I I block all the the vents to the outside, you know, the cracks. And I turn the car on, and I turn my heated seat on. And I wouldn't be afraid. And I'd cry. And I'd cry. Until I'd be so tired. And I would just go to sleep. Whew. There you have it. It's hard for me to even listen to that, but I'm so glad that I recorded so much of my journey because hearing my voice, hearing my exhaustion, hearing my grief helps me to realize even now how far I've come. And isn't it interesting that I talk about seven-ish years and all bets are off? Guess what, guys? It's been seven years. I am nowhere near that devastation. I am nowhere near heartbroken like I was. In fact, my heart is not broken at all. My heart has been healed. I missed on. But my heart doesn't have a deficiency in it. It doesn't have anything that is depleted from it. 
It carries a special place for Don and our time together. But it's not missing anything. You know, people always say that when you suffer the loss of someone you love, that you never get over it, that there'll always be a hole in your heart. And I just don't feel that way. As I listen to myself seven years ago, I would have never believed that my heart could be whole again. Ever. You couldn't have convinced me of it. But I can stand here and say to you today that whatever it is that has your heart ripped open, you can be healed from it. Your heart can be whole. You can be in that place. It's a place of completion. It's a place of wholeness that rests inside of you that becomes interwoven in the fabric of who you are. You become wrapped up with your tragedy, with your grief, with your suffering. And it becomes interlaced into this beautiful tapestry of who you are. Now, usually there's a few things that are required to make this tapestry work to make it actually be beautiful. And that is one, there's usually some form of forgiveness that has to take place. Doesn't matter what the situation is. You need to forgive an accuser. You need to forgive an assaulter. It could be your loved one. Perhaps they didn't take better care of themselves the way that you thought that they should have. Maybe it's a family member or friend because they didn't do something to help or alleviate the situation. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Let go of the bad choice or the bad feeling or the not doing what you thought you should have, the what ifs. Maybe you need to forgive God. And yes, technically speaking, God doesn't do anything wrong for us to need to forgive him. But we are human beings, and if you want to be in relationship with him, that means that you're going to have feelings about him and towards him. And if one of those feelings is that you have anger in your heart... Because you didn't agree with what he did or didn't do, and you feel that you got to find a place to forgive him, then that's what you need to do. Whatever the case, forgiveness is usually needed to be involved someplace. The other aspect is acceptance. Accepting what your situation is. Accepting what happened to you. Accepting what happened because of you. Accepting that sometimes bad things just happen. It doesn't mean you have to like what happened. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it. It just means you have to accept it. To come into a place of coexistence with it. 
Lastly, I think one of the most important elements is that you have to be open and have a willingness to want to be healed, to want to be whole again, which means at some point you have to give up carrying the grief, carrying the shame, carrying the anger, carrying the victimization, whatever it is, you have to be willing to let that go. For me, all those things boil down to resentment. I was resentful as hell towards God. Everyone always used to say, well, how are you not mad at Don? Because Don is not perfect. And I always knew that. I never doubted Don's love for me or the kids. Don never made the claims that God makes. Don messed up. That sucks. God was the one claiming that he's all-powerful and that he's all-good all the time. And yet he chose not to do something to keep Don alive. He didn't pull the miracle card. He preaches it in his Bible, but he didn't follow through on a miracle for me. You see, in my thinking, I know that if Don had the power to pull a miracle out for me, he would have. So who loves me more, Don or God? Well, it's not God, because he still chose to have me go through pain, and he is the one that says he's perfect. So clearly, I'm not worthy of his almighty love and goodness. After everything that I had tried to be for him, it wasn't enough. And I ended up at the bottom of the barrel. And I was so incredibly resentful about that. So I had to be willing to take all that and throw it at him. And that's part of, for me, where I challenged God and said, Okay, you say you're all that in a bag of chips? Well, let's see it, boo-boo. Let's see you do what you say you can do. Yep, my approach was spiteful, and I was blatantly challenging him, because that's my feisty personality, and that's how I roll. But it was still an open door for God to come in and make me whole. I know that there's a lot of you out there that feel you are beyond repair, that you've gone through something so horrific as a child, as an adult, or even right now, that you just feel like there's no possible way that you could ever have this pain and guilt and sorrow not be there, that the damage done is just far too great to be fixed. And I understand that unbelief. But that's why I'm here doing what I'm doing with this podcast and sharing my story is because I want to bring you the hope that it is possible that you can be whole 
It is available. Look, God wants to complete you and make you healed and whole. But he has to have a willing heart. I mean, come on, look at my messed up heart and how I talked to him. And he still chose to show up and fix all the mess inside. So be open to letting God come in and work his wonder. So what was it that allowed me to make it through that first New Year's Eve night? Was it God's wonder? Maybe. Maybe it was that I simply just cried myself to sleep. Sometimes the hope isn't that grand. Sometimes you just exhaust yourself and need some rest. And then you wake up and it's a new day. And that's the hope in this story, is that I made it through that night. I made it through to live another day. And sometimes, that's enough. It's enough to live another day to feel the sun on my face or the rain against the window. To live another day to enjoy a hot bath or a bowl of ice cream. To live another day to hug my kids. To live another day to be a grandma someday. To live another day to find new love. It was another day for the chance to be healed and whole. Well, guys, it's that time to put this onion back in the bin until we talk again. Stay strong. Know you're not alone. Remember there's hope. And take care of yourselves so you can stay healthy during this crazy time. Also, I'm on YouTube now, so if you prefer to listen to the podcast that way, you can subscribe there. You know, I always appreciate any likes, follows, and shares. They mean so much to me. It's how we partner together to spread this mission of hope. I hope y'all have an awesome day, stay amazing, and we'll talk another day.